Thank you for joining us for the Thought and Action Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Flegel, and this is where we talk about what's going on in the world of wealth and what you can do about it. All right, everyone, thanks for joining us. We have Christine England here. And before we start, Christine, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your organization? Sure. So um, my name is Christine England. Um, I run Low Country Eat Out. We are a Facebook group um, and our main goal is to save restaurants. So during the pandemic, um, we made the choice to kind of compile all the information about who was doing takeout, delivery, um, anybody that had new menus, changed their menus, or even changed their style of service. Um, and so we promoted that out to the public so that they had one stop place to find all this information instead of trying to hunt it down through Google websites and their individual pages. Right, right. So, so I love it because this, this this virtual philanthropy exploded. So take us just through what was the catalyst for even starting Low Country Eat Out early on? Yeah. So with Low Country Eat Out, um, when the pandemic hit and restaurants were closing, my husband is a chef. Um, we had made the executive decision at that time that a our friends needed help. Um, my mother at the time lived with us um, or lives with us, um, and she has COPD. Uh, beginning stages. So it's one of those things of just trying to eliminate any potential of any one of us getting it. Um, And also our friends just needed help. So what I decided to do is I was just going to make a list and we were going to be like, okay, we'll order from this person this night, this person this night, because even pre-pandemic cleanliness, you know, it was DHEC standards are high. So we knew that restaurants would be good and everything's stainless steel um, and everything's always cleaned down. So we were going to make a list and we would just go through and we would order um, to help our friends and then obviously to feed ourselves. Um, but what I found was, is that no one had all this information, right? So I was, I was calling friends like, hey, are you guys open, not open? Uh, are you delivering takeout? What are we doing? Do you have a special menu? Is it different than normal? And so as I was compiling the information, I'm like, I should share this with other people because they're going to want to know the same thing. So I just started, I started a Facebook group and I just started inputting it and I invited a whole bunch of friends and said, Hey, if you guys find this helpful, if you're still okay with eating in restaurants, please go ahead and, you know, have at it. Um, they started sharing with their friends and so it kind of just. Right. So you kind of found a need, filled a need, mm-hmm. and then it just, it just took off. Yeah, it was more of a selfish need, but <laughs> but it was a need, yes. Right. Yep. So you chose social media to kind of start this awareness. Did you try any other options besides social media or no. how'd that go? No, I didn't. I, you know, I had looked around at like, could I build an app quickly, right? Like, because there's apps out there that help you build an app. Mm-hmm. But honestly, with the amount of restaurants we have in the Tri-County area, I couldn't keep up fast enough inputting the information. And so at one point literally said like, Hey, if you order from somewhere or find something, feel free to, and it's your, one of your favorite places and you love it and you don't want to see it wander, feel free to post it. Right. So I just started asking other people to help me post and it kind of took its own life right. um, where people were like, I love this place. This is doing takeout. This is doing delivery. Um, some restaurants even incorporated doing grocery delivery, right. like because they had groceries they needed to, you know, unload. It mm-hmm. also helped our local farmers, um, ranchers, that type of stuff. So, right. Um, so yeah, I never, I thought about the app thing for a hot minute and then just didn't have the time. Right. I really didn't. So it's, it's, it's cool because you 
you find this need, you fill it. I mean, did you spend a lot of time on traction or did it just kind of take off on its own? How did you get it started? Think in the beginning. So in the beginning, I just invited all my restaurant friends and told my restaurant friends to invite their friends. So how many is that? Because I'm thinking like for people that are thinking there's a tipping point. How do I get this thing started? I think I invited like 300 people. Okay. And then somewhere in the a thousand range, I asked people, I said, Hey, you guys could do me a favor at the restaurant. Because at that point we had been open for like a week or so, maybe 10 days. Okay. And, and I'm at this point now I'm talking to restaurants mm -hmm. and they're telling me how dead it is. So I'm like, okay, how do we get more people? And so in the very beginning, I would even do, I would take the population of the tri-county and the number of the group. And I would be like, okay, we're at a, we only are a point, you know, one, six percent of all of the area, not mm -hmm. enough people. And I would post that, you know, um, I think people were like, really, that's it. Like, it seems like this group has a lot of people. Right. And I'm like, no. Um, so I, I did ask one time in the very, very, very beginning. And I said, Hey, if you guys would please invite. And then whoever invites in the next week or so, I'll do a raffle for a gift card. And so I did that. But after that, I not once asked them to go. And how many people, how many people are there now in the group? I will tell you, I hit 20,000 in seven weeks. And wow. as of this morning, we are at 45,100. Wow. Yes. So it kind of spiked, kind of plateaued, and then slowly grown after that? Yes. We had a post last week um, that was a, like a coffee like frappuccino iced coffee flight mm -hmm. um, from a new place in Hanahan. And um, it was shared something like, I don't know, 4,000 times or 400,000. I mean, it was a ridiculous number. Right. So all of a sudden in the last like week and a half, we've had a massive influx of people trying to join. I try to keep it, you know, if you don't answer the questions to join the group, I just decline. Um, and I've declined more in the last two weeks than I've approved mm -hmm. um, because you know, obviously we want to, the group is meant to be positive. I don't allow reviews. We're not a review site. That's not what we do. Our goal is to save restaurants and mm -hmm. to talk about the places we love and to give attention to those places that we love or right. new places we find. If we spend so much time being like, oh, well, this place was so bad. You're literally losing the opportunity to help save a place. Right. So I just said, you know what? Um, if they're not going to read the rules, then we're just not going right. to go there. Um, sometimes with Facebook, when you go to join a group, you type in the rules and you want to hit enter. Like that's your natural reaction. Mm -hmm. So sometimes people will answer like one question and a lot of times they let that slide, you know, and right. you just go through. But I do go through and we try to, I do try to check every single person just to make sure it's not some spam bot. Right. Those happen too. I think a lot of people, especially during COVID, were super passionate about restaurant industry, helping out, you know, areas that were really struggling. You obviously did a great job here in Charleston. Have you kind of cross-pollinated with any people in other cities? Um, I have talked to a few other people. Um, I will say this. In the very, very beginning, it did not start off, as I say, all kumbaya. Um, it started off very, I, very beginning, I had a couple threats. Um, they were like, you are the reason COVID's spreading. You're going to kill us all. Like, I get these crazy, I'm like, what in the world? Mm -hmm. Like, Take out safer, like, and here's how. So the beginning was a little bit of educating people right. on how to, why it was, why takeout was safer, right. how you could do curbside, you know, and also don't judge people because some people don't care and some people do, right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
But with other cities, so in Rhode Island, which is where I'm from, there's a thing called Food Fight. Um, he's a huge proponent of supporting restaurants and doing some cool stuff. Rhode Island is still under really, really strict protocols. Um, but he's done a good job. They they do virtual. They've always, even pre-COVID, have always done virtual events. So like, right. I reached out to them and were like, "Hey, you know, how do you do them? You know, how best practices? Just like general conversation." Right. Um, but it's weird because it's tough to have a conversation with someone whose sole purpose is to become like a famous food blogger to get their meal for free or to, right. you know, they have an, I don't want to say they have an agenda, but they have a purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Like their goal is to showcase what they define as their foodie, right? right? Their level of food, their level of expertise. My goal was never that. My goal was let's just spread the information far and wide to for the restaurants and at the same time be a little bit of like instant gratification for the people looking for the information right um and also i think what happened along the way is people started to become friends with each other people started to talk to each other Mm -hmm. people started to like hey let's go out to eat and and dine together um i've had people in the group be like hey i'm new to the town i don't really have a lot of friends i moved here just as covid hit um Anyone want to like go hang out and like have dinner in a group? And it's happened multiple times. So it is very, very cool to kind of see that. I think people want to connect more than anything. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you get people that'll ask the same question that's been asked a hundred times, but right. it doesn't matter because, you know, I mean, there was a point where I had to put a stop to the where's the best pizza because I just literally couldn't read it anymore. <laughs> I was like, guys. She perma-posted. Yeah. Pin it to the top. So I did I did actually buy the domain for Low Country Eat Out. And my goal was, all right, we're going to start making massive lists. And, right. and explain the differences, right? So, for instance, pizza. You know, you have New York style, Boston style, Chicago style. I think Missouri has its own style. Yeah. Uh, Detroit, um, which Detroit's um, and Mount Pleasant Tony's is really great. Mm-hmm. Um so you have all these different styles, and so you get people, oh, the best place, best pizza place is this, right? Mm-hmm. And they want to be right. That is the other part. <laughs> they need to be right. And it's like, guess what, guys? You can like every pizza place in town. You really can. If you want to, that's your choice. You don't have to discriminate. Um, you will have one that you prefer more than others. Um, but you know, I I think it's been good for people. A pizza question. I was just like, no, there's no more. But it's been good for people because they're talking and they're like, hey, this is the ones are really great are when they start going, well, I like this pizza because mm-hmm. I like this because here's a picture of when I went right, right. now you're having, as opposed to just like listing. So, um, I like you're democratizing the information, but then you're creating the community at the same time. Yes. So, and that's always the goal. Right. It's not always easy because especially with 45,000 people, we don't all have the same taste buds. We don't all have the same budget. We don't all have the same level of foodie. I mean, I've had a couple people in there who's like, my idea of a good meal is like McDonald's and I want to support local. Right. So, you know, how do I do that? Where do I start? And, you know, there are some people like, hey, these places are great and they you know, don't break the bank. Right. Um, and then there are some people that will only eat at PR driven restaurants that, you know, they're in this magazine, they're in this thing or, right. you know, eat or put them here. And that's okay too. Right. You know? It's- so what, what is the end goal of Low Country Eat Out? Where do you see it being two, five years from now? Oh, so Low Country Eat Out, honestly, um, the one year anniversary was March 18th. And my goal was to shut it down. Thank you. <laughs> uh, my goal was to shut it down. 
honestly. Um, Hannah Raskin did a great article on me and the group. It wasn't even on me. It was on the group. And I literally was like, oh, man, now I can't shut down. Dang it. Like, that's not my, that was not my plan. But um, I think five years from now. So recently we started um, a social media arm of the company. Called, I call it Leo because it's short for Little Country Eat Out. But we started a social media management company. Because what I'm finding is restaurants are now going back to some of their bad pre-COVID habits um, and they're overpaying for things and maybe not looking at the bigger picture and their goals, right? Like you don't necessarily need a PR company if your goal is, you know, to just make awareness happen in your community, right? Because social media does that, right? You need a social media manager and not all PR people, as many of them are my friends and I love them, not all of them are social media experts and not all social media experts are great at PR. Right. Um, that was definitely not my forte in college. Um, but so I started social media arm and it really is about using their voice right. about making it about them. It's not about the cliche burbage, you know, pro tip and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And go. it's more about you know their story and connecting them as humans, not just this brick building that pumps out food. Right. right. Um, I think some people have a crazy perception. I've asked especially in the group. You know, um, how much do you think a restaurant profits every year nationally on average? And I was amazed at some of the answers. So do you have any guess? Um, $250,000. So they profit roughly three to 5%. That is their profit margin nationally. Now, are there places that do 15, 20? Sure. There are places that do two? Yes. Um, but what's with the social media arm, I, I really want to connect them as humans and mm-hmm. we want to use who they are and what they're doing and, and, and put them back in the community. Right. Because I, I feel like it's become detached. Right. So that's the first thing. The second part is, and this has happened happening over the last couple of months is teaching consumers what's actually happening, not the facade of what you see out in the front, right. but what I call happening behind the wall, right. behind that kitchen wall, in the kitchen, in the office, because what they're not seeing is gas surcharges. Lobster prices went up 30%. So like lobster trucks right now, if an average restaurant's running at a 30% food cost, they're basically making that sandwich for free, right? right. Um, you have pro, uh, produce, protein, all that stuff. Prices are rising, but supply is down. Right. Um, but the level of customer, you know, consumers, the amount of them mm-hmm. is on the rise. So now you have restaurants who are refusing takeout, large groups, reservations, you know, they're, they're having to change. So we've spent the last two months really trying to educate consumers in hopes that we create empathy, right? Right. Like we want people to understand if, if you're a person and, and you work in retail, you may, you know, I tell people the time, you may think, you know, right. but you only know part of it. And people really, really get hung up on that two thirteen an hour. And, and I've said this to people, servers aren't complaining for a reason, right? Like you don't hear a lot of servers complaining. If they're complaining and they don't change their job, that's on them. But around the low country right now, servers are doing a-okay. Now, if they don't know how to manage their own cash or if they don't know how to do their taxes properly or to save for their taxes, I think there's a little bit of financial responsibility that needs to be taught to servers so that they understand, so that they're prepared. But ultimately the biggest, biggest issues are what's happening behind that wall. Right. Because you could over tip a server. Right. It's not helping the restaurant and or the back of the house. 
themselves. Right. So you know, really trying to create some education and empathy so that people understand like really the the true reality of a restaurant. Right. Um, because I think people think like, oh, they make money. You know, mm-hmm. how many times do parents go, oh, I just need I just need this gift card for for my kids' bands, whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, when you have that question repeatedly asked on a weekly basis, you know. $100, $50 here or there, it all adds up. Right. right. And at some point they have to say no, or, you know, you don't want to upset the community and you want to be a part of the community. So it makes it, you know, right. it's kind of like whirlwind of they don't want to upset anyone. Right. So you got your education, yep. empathy, yep. your community. Yep. So if I were to kind of pivot it to kind of wrap it all together, you're someone's, you could do this with anything you're passionate about. You're passionate, obviously, about restaurants, local community. Mm-hmm. If somebody was passionate about, let's say, dogs or, you know, nature or whatever it is, I feel like you, there's a there's a, a process or like even a, well, yeah, I could say a process that you've used to really grow awareness and I think have a meaningful positive impact. Obviously, you won the Jefferson Award, right? Yes, I did. What are, what are, so give me like, I don't know, three to five tips. You're like, do these things because these things, I think, really led to success of Low Country Eat Out. Don't do it for the fame or the glory. <laughs> that is the first and foremost. Know that it will probably be more work than you'll ever do, mm-hmm. but 100% worth it. So just on that point, you, you mentioned this. How much time have you spent on this in the past year on a daily basis? Uh, prior to me having help about two months ago, um, I was in the group eight to 12 hours a day. Wow. It, between in the group, talking to restaurants, having meetings, setting up posts, um, getting ready for holidays like Mother's Day, Easter, Christmas, right. that type of thing. So a lot of work, not a lot of glory. Not yeah, a lot. And when you're talking about virtual yeah. philanthropy, I think the biggest, one of the biggest things is you have to be ready to be your own cheerleader because you don't always see the immediate impact. I get spurts, right? Like if somebody does a story on the news or the Jefferson Award, they talk to business owners right. behind my back, so to speak. Right. And then all of a sudden I hear what the restaurant owners have to say. That's when I see, I'm like, oh, that's why I'm still right. Mm-hmm. Um, or someone will say to me, Christina, I, I went to this restaurant. I had this experience and I usually would get so mad, but just started talking to the server and the server started telling me all the crazy things that happened that morning in the restaurant. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to finish my meal. I'm going to come back another day and give them another try. And she's like, and literally you were in my head. So those moments are when you get them, but they're very sporadic. It's, you know, if you are someone who is building backpacks for children with food in them to go Mm -hmm. home with, you see a direct impact on that child um, when you hand them to them, when you are in that process. In a virtual philanthropy, sometimes it's really hard. Like you really have to dig deep and be like, no, I know that I'm doing good for the community right. and I know this is working. Um, and so I think that might be the hardest part for some people when it comes to things like a Facebook group. Right. Um, but I think the biggest thing is uh, don't do it for the fame of the glory. Mm-hmm. Know that it's going to be a lot of work. And, and above anything else, let it be something you're passionate about, Absolutely. right? Like, I feel like so many people throw that word around, like, be authentic, be passionate. I think the thing is this, like, if you're sort of into food, right, and you're doing it because you want to be close to chefs and a foodie, I think it could come off as kind of desperate, right? Mm-hmm. We all know that. I joke around desperation stench. But if you're, like, you know, really into dogs, mm-hmm. like, really into, and even if it's one kind of dog, then all of a sudden, you can... If you can talk about it incessantly, 
right? And it can be anything. Crystals, dogs, nature, ocean, beach, save the sea turtles. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. But if you can have an informed conversation, if if it's something that lands in your lap on a piece of paper and you find yourself sucked in and you read every word, those are the things you want to be involved in. Those are the things that you want to put your time towards helping. Mm -hmm. um, Because those are the ones that no matter how many hours of work it is, you're not going to, it's going to be okay. Right. You're like, I got to do this because it's, it's almost moving you. Right. Um, I get, I'll say too about you, like, you know, so the education, the empathy, the community, but you're also, I'd say like an expert in what it is that you're doing because of how much passion you've had and time you put in. So your group can welcome in someone that's one week in the city and educate them. And your group can welcome in someone that's lived here all their life. That's like, well, I want to just kind of get a little more information. You can educate that person too, because you really have put the time and the expertise in to get to that point. I I would agree with that. I would also say for people that are looking to do some type of philanthropy work and they're like, well, I'm into this, but I don't know all the key players. Mm-hmm. You know, I worked in liquor branding, so I've been all over the country and I've seen lots of different restaurants in various forms and um, my husband's a chef, and so we and we have a lot of chef friends here in the Charleston area. We moved here from Los Angeles. We had a lot of chef friends there, so I got to talk to a lot of them and to see the differences as right. we were going through. Right. Um, I recently actually had a conversation with someone who was like, "I'm really into, um, she's really into yoga. She's really into um, like plants and holistic and Ayurvedic medicine." Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were talking, and she's like, "Well, I don't know all the key people and." said those are just conversations right you just have to have the conversation you have to just reach out and say hey i'm really interested in this i want to learn more or hey how do you do this or hey and ask the questions like it's okay for you not to know everything i don't know everything when it comes to restaurants but i'm constantly having the conversation every day when i whether i talk to a restaurant owner or i'm talking to my husband or i'm talking to friends out west it's always just a constant conversation right and if i feel like i'm getting I don't want to say stale or stagnant, but if I feel like maybe I'm missing something or I don't understand something clearly, I have no problems with calling someone and saying, hey, you know, um, how does this work or how does that work? I, I actually put a proposal together last night and had my husband reach out to some of his purveyors because mm-hmm. we are going to teach a class. I did a class quickly in the group on restaurant math based on how much is spent and where the money goes. Right. And a brand had come out and said, hey, we really want to do work with you. And we would like you to teach your restaurant math class to our salespeople because we actually think they need it. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's amazing, right? So I was like, okay. So I put together a one sheet of just like goals. And one of the things was, I said to my husband, I'm like, I need you to, I need to borrow all of your purveyors numbers <laughs> that relate to this. Because what I want to do is, Let's talk about the competition, quality versus price, you know, all this stuff. But I don't know everything about distribution. I don't know everything about every, you know, cut of, you know, pork, beef, whatever. So, you know, it's okay to ask questions and it's okay to learn while you're doing it. Um, You don't have to know everything to Mm -hmm. start. You just kind of have to like run with it and learn as you go. Yeah. Be willing to ask those questions and just build out that Rolodex. Yeah. Which is perfect. Yeah. Well, I want to I want to stay to yeah. true to our time, but I also am like super thankful yeah. for you coming in because it's uh it's so great to get. I mean, it's it's great because I don't know where the podcast will go out and it'll, it'll go as far as it goes. Yeah, but it's always nice to have a local person come in. And uh, thank you so much for all you're doing with the community. Yeah, it's it's uh it's really cool to see this place start to turn around and thrive and 
appreciate all you do. Yeah. So thank you. No, thanks appreciate for having it. me. You thank bet. you.